Welcome to Pulling Threads. This is a podcast. That that sucked. All right. <laughs> we got to do a couple takes first. Uh, okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pulling Threads. Hey, Cliff. Hey, Megan. Hey. What's up? How's everybody? <laughs> Going doing pretty good. good. So if you're just joining us after, um, I'm, I'm guessing we have more listeners now after our interview with President Obama. Um, <laughs> you think anybody believes that? <laughs> You'll have to go back and find out. <laughs> listen, we didn't we didn't put it in the title, so make sure you listen to all the episodes. And uh, yeah, so I, I did want to just recap what we're doing and what our podcast is about and why it's called pulling threads. And it's because we use this metaphor of this sweater and the sweater is everything we grew up with in our belief system and things we were taught and things we believed. And there comes a point in a lot of people's journeys, a lot of people's stories where they start to question that sweater and they start pulling at the threads of that sweater. And this is, uh, some people call it deconstruction. Uh, we call it pulling threads. It's whatever it is. What it's that time when you're questioning your beliefs uh, kind of for better or worse, whatever happens, you find out, you know, will those beliefs hold up? Will they not? Um, that's, that's what pulling threads is about. It's about people going through that experience and, and, uh, create, creating a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to create a safe space for people to, um, be able to listen to other people's questions, talk about, uh, doubts they've had or having and, and see what happens. Would, would you, uh, add anything to that? I would say, on one hand, we we wanted to create a safe space for people to, for us and for people to share and listen to these kind of journeys. And uh, the reason why we wanted to create a safe space is because there's a lot of unsafe spaces out there um, for people to do that, where they don't feel comfortable, they don't feel safe, they don't feel like they can ask questions, and and uh, that could you know wreak havoc in an in individual life. So, well, you were talking about how you know, our podcast is kind of about this deconstruction. And I've actually been listening to another podcast that is a different sort of deconstruction. Okay. But before I share that, I want to know what you guys have been listening to. What are your podcasts these days? Uh, uh, Dolly, um, well, what is it called? Dolly Pardons America. Good, good grief. It had me uh, kind of crying a little bit within the first 20 seconds. It's just a, mm-hmm. an interesting take on her life and what she's given to this world and um, how unique she is uh, in particular that she can, um, her base is broad. Um, you've got people from all walks of life, from every place on the political spectrum, religious spectrum, whatever the case listening huge fans of dolly parton so it's it's very yeah, unique she's so awesome. that's a great podcast and yeah i need to listen to that one. Oh, oh yeah yeah it's it's excellent okay she's amazing what about you nate uh there's two that i've been listening to lately one they're they're not similar at all one is called dead eyes mm-hmm. it's about a guy who got rejected from a role in band of brothers the tom hanks produced tv show and he got rejected indirectly by Tom Hanks um, because he had dead eyes. That's what he was told. And so it's about Whoa. him kind of unpacking that and Jeez. trying to figure out. Yeah. So do it, it we just, hate Tom Hanks now? 
No, no, not at all. And he he points that out. It's not an anti Tom Hanks podcast. (laughs) Uh, It's just interesting. This guy wrestling with that failure, and it's a you know it's a really good reminder about that world, like the entertainment world. It's just Mm -hmm. such a tough, fickle industry, and you know, and and no one ever feels secure in that. And and to me, it just I kind of connected with that feeling, like. You're just mm-hmm. always, you're flailing around and, you know, some things hit and some things don't. Uh, and that was good to hear. Um, not, I'm not glad it happened to the guy, but it's an entertaining podcast. Yeah. And then the other one I'm listening to is kind of in our world and it's the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And it's about, oh yeah, yeah, it's uh that one's intense and it's a uh, Christianity Today produces it and it's been pretty, it's just fascinating. I remember uh, really disliking uh, Mark Driscoll, the pastor at Mars Hill just, I just felt like he was pretty toxic and it's about, um, kind of the rise and fall of, of him at that church. And yeah, it's got five, I'm, there's five episodes left they haven't released yet. And so mm. it's pretty, pretty compelling stuff. Okay. I've listened to one and it was good, but it was intense. What, what, so I'm like, what was it? The, well, oh, the I episode. listened to the first episode of that. Yeah. I need to check but, this out. So Megan, you said yes. there was, there was a podcast. Well, it's a deconstruction of another type. Um, it's deconstructing episodes of Say by the Bell. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's called Zach to the Future. Okay. Oh, that's that awesome. sounds like your kind of podcast. I'm a few episodes behind. Well, quite a few, but it's Mark Paul Gossler and one of the writers for the new Say by the Bell, which is really good, by the way. And uh, Mark Paul Gossler has never, you told me about it, I'm pretty sure, didn't you? Yeah, I did. A couple of people did, yeah. A couple, most of my friends reached out to me yeah. and let me know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good. They watched the episodes back because he's never watched them before. And so he's like, what the hell was I doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> uh, it's entertaining. And, you know, that brings us back to our podcast, Pulling Threads. And yes. today we have uh, a guest with a very interesting, compassionate, compelling story, I think. Uh, Cliff, do you want to introduce Jeff? Of course. Yeah. So um, Jeff and I know each other. We used to play um, in the praise team at um, the first, the local First Baptist Church. And, um, and Jeff, I think we played, I mean, it it was a few years, right? Probably about five. Yeah. Yeah. What did Jeff, what did you play, Jeff? I'm the lead guitarist. Okay. Very, a very talented musician and uh jeff overrated it, is probably the better word <laughs> well i don't know not based on some of the pictures that i've seen so i don't know how i came across these pics whether it was on facebook stalking on facebook or i could actually what i think actually happened is at some point during some worship service they projected a couple of pictures of you from the 80s up onto the big screen oh my gosh. And, and i feel like i remember you having big um rock band hair so i was actually friends with pantera who wound up being a really nice. successful heavy metal band they were a glam band too so yes we were a glam band at the time <laughs> copying awesome. everybody else being unoriginal wearing makeup <laughs> spandex glitter scarves i remember getting dressed and my dad looking at me like you're going out in public like that <laughs> And it was the first show. I wasn't just walking around like that. <laughs> it's That's amazing awesome. um, what one gets away with when they're up on stage performing. <clears throat> but if you take that context away, it just kind of, it, it, it all of a sudden it turns problem- problematic. But well, um, we were we were pretty. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to need to see some pictures. We post those I, on our website. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about the uh, the glam phase of Pantera. Yeah, so I actually took guitar lessons from Dimebag Daryl, who was wound up being one of the best guitarists ever. And I met him in a guitar contest. And wow. I'd, uh, they were just a local band at the time, but I'd heard him on the radio and he had a solo kind of like Van Halen's Eruption. And I was like, well, this guy's really good. I get to the contest, see him there. And I'm like, well, I can't beat him. And <laughs> sure enough, he won first. I got second. <laughs> and then started taking lessons from him and we were 18 and I was like, wow. this guy's good enough to be pro and the band was really good. And, and they, they wind up making it, but it, it took them a long time. Mm -hmm. They put four albums out before they ever uh, hit it big. So fast forward all that. And there's Jeff and I on stage at a first Baptist church <laughs> playing in a, in a praise Rocking band. out. Yeah. <laughs> to the one for the five. So, yeah. So we, we were going along doing that. And then um, I, I do recall, Jeff, when you decided to go to, I, do they call it police academy or is that just a, a mo the movies? Um, we, they, the police department. So I got hired and then they send you to academy. So you have okay. to go to be a, um, to be certified to be a law enforcement officer. And I know it wasn't too long after that, that you decided to move, but I'll let you tell that part of the story when you are uh, talking about your background. So yeah. Jeff, now that we know your eighties rocker background uh, part, can you tell us a little bit more about your background, um, your, your sweater that you, you know, grew up wearing, whether it's religious, spiritual, political, whatever kind of background you want to tell us about your life? Sure. Um, I grew up in a loving home, had, you know, really good mom and dad. And they brought me up uh, as a Christian. When we was very young, we started off in the Methodist church. Um, I think we continued that when we first moved to Red Oak, Texas. Wound up switching to Trinity Assembly of God, which is a little different. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, finally, fast forward, you know, I'm kind of on my, my own and visited a Baptist church, met my wife there always remember believing Jesus was a son of God, all of those things. I can't even remember the day I got saved. Some people could say, oh, it was this old, that was this age and so forth. I don't remember that. I don't remember not believing. Sure. Um, I was always told the, you know, the Bible's hundred percent word of God, those things. And just had different periods in my life where I would read the Bible pretty consistently. Um, by no means a saint, you know, there'd be times where I would drift off and do my own thing, you know, you know especially being in a rock band and stuff. I was never into <laughs> drugs or anything like that. That never <laughs> appealed to me, but I think I might've been married. I might've been dating my wife. I had a, a Christian rock band called Mars Hill and we actually yeah. got that out of the Bible. I think Paul did a sermon on Mars Hill mm -hmm. and my stepdad, or not my stepdad, my uh, father-in-law told me, he goes, well, Christian rock is an oxymoron. And, and I just simply answered, I said, well, I know what's in my heart. I know what I believe. And I said, this is the music I like, and this is what I'm good at. So uh, he didn't argue with me about it, but, you know, that was his belief at the time. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, I disagreed. Um, I've always had. So we'll, we'll move uh, forward to. Okay believing in the Bible and taking it for what it says. Um, my wife talking about homosexuality, um, being gay, 
<clears throat> my wife always believed that there was nothing wrong with that. Uh, disagreed with the way the Christian community treated people, always believed there should be same-sex marriage. And I said, well, the Bible says it's a sin. So there you go. Uh, I didn't really care to delve into it and go spend the time to look up the Hebrew words. And, you know, it just, it didn't affect me. So the easy right. way was to take it for what it was worth. Remember one of our neighbors saying, okay, well, what if, you're, uh, what if your son turns out to be gay? I'm like, doesn't matter. He's my son. I'm going to love him no matter what. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I had given her the same thing. Well, the Bible says it's a sin because they were disagreeing with me. Yeah. Um, so, but out of laziness, it didn't concern me. So no, I wasn't going to research it. It didn't affect my life in that way. Uh, I had been wanting to move. I used to own a weightlifting gym. And I, we had sold that in 1997 or eight, I think. And I wanted to move to Colorado. I just, you know, wanted to try something different than the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Mm -hmm. My wife didn't want to go and didn't want the deep winners. So I had always been kind of wanting to try something different. She never really did. I think it was 2015, I believe. Um, my son broke his arm in football. So I think he was seventh grade. Uh, it was a pretty bad break, both bones. Um, seven months later, we were one week from school getting out, and he rebroke it in the off-season football practice. Oh. And we were just going to go water parks that summer, like New Braunfels and things. That's out. He's in a cast. We're like, what is going on, God? You know, he's, he's a good kid. I mean, he really was. You know, he, mm -hmm. no kid's perfect, but he was a sweet kid. And I uh, said, so, well, let's go on a nice vacation. Let's go someplace nice then because the water park's out. And she goes, well, let's go to, let's go to Washington. Because when we would go online where it says, find your spot, and you fill out these surveys telling you where you should live, it always told us we should live in Washington. Oh, hmm. I might need based, to do one of those. Yeah, based <laughs> on the things we like. So we, we, we came up and uh, visited. We found Squim, Washington on accident. We were headed to a town called Port Angeles, but we were hungry. So she Googled Safeway, and it was this cute little town that was just <laughs> off the roadway. That's awesome. Yeah. So we did all that, went to Oregon, came back. It's just when we got back, she's like, I could live there. I really like that town swim. I'm like, really? And then my son was like, yeah, I like it too. I'm like, so I started looking it up and uh, the police departments were hiring and they paid way more. Mm. And I'm like, okay. So I called one of them up and they're like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll set up an interview just for you. Where usually it's a cattle call. They have mm. their oral board interviews and they just bring you through. It was like a week later. I said, we're coming up there. And I've scheduled myself to be tested in Washington. And so we decided we'll come up, look at houses and everything. We came up, interviewed, found a house we really liked. And we decided, yeah, we do want to live here. And this was crazy. I'm kind of conservative on business type decisions. My wife's mm -hmm. like, let's just buy it and let's, let's come. So we get Jackson School because it was starting, you know, in a few weeks. And so I quit my job, not having another job yet bought a house up here and went home, put our house on the market for sale by owner. It sold in two days. Wow. Everything just fell into place. And then looking back, we think uh, this was a better place to raise my son. So he, he had came out. Um, I had found out that he was gay in 2018. My wife had told me that, that he had finally confided in her. Uh, I had no clue. I had to look back at everything. And at first I was just devastated uh, thinking of it's going to be a harder life for him. And then about my dreams for him, having grandkids and all that, all that's messed up now. 
And then I started thinking about, I've never been someone that was, you know, anti-gay or anything. In fact, I always thought the church mistreated them because like I said, I thought it was a sin because that's what the Bible said. But I thought, mm-hmm. so what? Me lusting after a woman is a sin just the same. You being overweight is gluttony. That's a sin. What's the difference? Why is this one targeted so harshly by the Christian community when all these things are sin and you're all doing something? So I'd always, so now I had to start really digging in and is this a sin? Because I know my son. I know he's not some deviant. Uh, he hadn't been sexually molested. I had prayed for him constantly when he was little to be blessed and all that. Um, praying for his soul. And I'm like, all right, God, I, this is the way you made him. And the people that realize they have a same-sex attraction, they, they realize this when they're children. They're not grown people that just go off into you know deviance. This is the way God made them. And I could see that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I had to really start searching and thinking, is everything I believe just because it's been fed to me my whole life? Mm-hmm. And do I have it wrong? Because this isn't lining up, which is what my wife has thought the whole time. This doesn't line up with God being a loving God. This doesn't make sense. And now it got my attention and I was on board. You said earlier you were, in your words, you were kind of lazy about it because it didn't really affect you. And now it kind of comes into your reality. And now you're going to kind of dig a little deeper. Yeah, I got to know. Is is everything I believe BS? (laughs) You know, I have to come to terms with that. This is what it says. And Jeff, before you go further on that, I got kind of curious uh, about a part of your story where uh, this seems to happen a lot, where um, especially a son or daughter, for that matter, confides in the mom and and first and doesn't always feel comfortable (coughs) confiding in, 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 in the father. Did did you have a separate conversation with your son um, and what was it that made him feel comfortable talking to his mom, but maybe not to you? She coerced it out of him. So he was crying one night or something. And she's like, what is wrong? He's like, I can't tell you. And she just kept on, tell me, tell me what's wrong. And he finally told her. Mm. Um, so she knew. And then she sits me down one night. She goes, all right, we need to talk. I got something that's going to rock your world. And I'm like, are you leaving me? <laughs> what's going on? I didn't do anything. <laughs> and, she, and she told me. And, and then I started thinking of how many times have I nonchalantly said something that probably really hurt him. And, uh, for example, um, so I like hard rock music, stuff like that. I would hear bruno mars on the radio he's super talented but i hated the song he had and i would just say i don't like that song it sounds gay and that was stuck in my mind i'm like he's probably sitting back there thinking my dad is using that in a negative context and he after he told her she goes you got you got to tell dad he's my partner and I, i need him to know and he wouldn't tell me and finally, you know, so I sat for two months knowing wow. <clears throat> without him knowing I knew. So finally, I confronted him. And I said, look, mom told me. And uh, we had a you know good conversation and, and he explained it. And he said, look, I just I would rather see a male surfer without a shirt than a female. <clears throat> you know, he explained it that way. And uh, 
excuse me. And then I told him about, hey, I am so sorry about when I said those type things, you know, hearing a song. He goes, no, I didn't think anything of it. So we have a really good relationship. I was also kind of concerned because he didn't come to me. It took so long. I'm like, were you afraid I wasn't going to accept you? Did, have I not proven to you how much I love you? And he's like, no, it's not that at all. So I don't know what the truth was behind him being scared to talk to me. I felt like we had a good open relationship, much better than I did with my dad. Right. For, for me, like my personal faith, while I, I don't have a direct connection to, to homosexuality in terms of someone in my life, but it was the issue that for me really got me thinking because it just seemed, you kind of said this too, and your wife seemed to get there even before you did. It was like, my faith is telling me one thing, is telling me this is wrong, but I'm looking at these people I know who are gay and I, I just feel like that's who they are. Like that's that's how they were created. That's how biologically they were they were born. And so I really had to, it was, it, it created this inner turmoil in me where I had to reconcile those two things. My personal feelings of this is fine and they can love whoever they love. And then, uh, you know, my faith and my, and the Bible telling me that this is wrong. seems like you had kind of a similar struggle, you know, kind of wrestling between those two things. And then it becomes very real to you when, when you find out your son is gay. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. My wife always had that struggle. I halfway had it and so I remember being in college and having study groups and uh, uh, there was a, a gay guy that was in there. I've never treated them different. I always tried to treat people with respect. I never looked down on them. And I, I didn't know if uh, that's just the way God made them or if it was a choice they had had because I didn't put that much thought into it. Like I said, it, it didn't really concern me. I just thought you treat people with love. Yeah, if I started thinking about it, um, like I said, I always thought the Christian community was overly harsh and mistreating them and was ignoring their own sins. Uh, now, with the research I have done, I've read books, I've watched uh, TED Talks, a lot of different things, uh, articles. I don't believe it is a sin, and I don't believe God. I know my son, so I know that's the way God made him. I, I know Cliff, you know, and I believe what he's telling me. That's the way God made him. And my patience is worn thin with the religious leaders and the Christian community as a whole with the way they just they'll post things on Facebook. The Bible says it. I believe it. That's it. You know, and anti-gay stuff. And I just don't have much patience for them. Even though I was there, I never acted the way they did. Well, how do you, how do you, so you're from Texas, so I'm, I'm guessing a lot of the people you know and the people you grew up with believe differently than you do. How do you navigate those relationships now? So I'm still a little torn in the fact I told my wife, I said, look, I want to stand up for my son and represent him, but I don't want to throw him under the bus. And a lot of it's nobody's business. Uh, I don't go around. I wouldn't go around saying, hey, my son likes girls. Right. So I don't think it's my job to go out and say hey my son's gay it's none of their business and i wouldn't do it if it was the opposite i don't even know if i answered your question no no you did you did yeah <laughs> the church is what bothers me the most they're mm -hmm. supposed to be loving right. they're supposed to represent jesus jesus is about love your neighbor and i just see more hatred and judgment coming from there and i hate to say that i mean that's my belief is christianity and 
I see why people don't want to be Christians because of the way they're acting. And I think especially against the gay community. You, you've talked um, quite a bit about your relationship with your son. Um, oh man, this is a little hard for me to, to ask. And, and so Jeff, and are you aware of the, there, there are several ministries out there who teach that homosexuality is sinful nature, but they, if you ask them, they're doing it through a filter of love and compassion. But and, it comes across as hate. Yeah. Love, love the sinner, hate the sin comes across as hate. For sure. And, it, you know, the, the church, from my point of view, from how I saw uh, the church, you know, look at homosexuality like in the in the eighties and nineties. Um, there was a lot of hate the sinner, hate the sin, and then it kind of evolved into this. Okay, love the sinner, hate the sin. But even like in the nineties, you would barely even hear it's a propensity. Um, you would hear this is a choice. So they certainly weren't saying that there's a possibility that somebody was born with it. They weren't even ready to call it a propensity. It was just, this is a choice that they're making. Then it evolved a little bit more to, to something like what we see today in many ministries saying, well, it's a propensity. It's a propensity to sin. And some go as far as to um, explain why somebody might be gay. And one of the main, one of the main things that they point to for like a, a young man who is gay is the relationship that he had with his father. So whether it had been strained at a young age, whether the boy is was born to be kind of a rough and tumble or a sensitive and, and how that relationship with the father uh, goes into it. What, what are your thoughts? Have you confronted that type of rhetoric or narrative? And do you have any thoughts on that? I'm familiar with it. And it's, I can tell you, it's BS. You're allowed I to mean, say bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> and that's where, that's where I, like I said, I, I start to lose patience with some of it. Um, so my background, all right. I won the state championship in Texas in bodybuilding, not only my weight class, but the overall, which means I beat the heavyweight and everything. I also won the state championship in powerlifting. I was a competitive boxer in college. Uh, I'm a police officer and I've been a sniper, uh, since 2016. So I've done all these manly things. All right. My son was, wasn't me acting feminine that made him do this. Um, I took him hunting and all that stuff. This is just the way God made him. I feel like I have a great relationship with my son. I, I took the positives from my dad and then I think I improved them. Uh, I always told him you have a voice with me. So if it was something where he was in trouble, I'll listen to you. Give me your side of the argument. I still have veto power and I may disagree. So mm -hmm. I believe I was fair with him, but he knew he was loved by me and he still does. And right now the church we go to, I was playing guitar in church up here. I haven't been since I've switched to the Squim police department because my schedule hasn't allowed me, but the church is not affirming. Mm. And I want to go in and remove my membership. And I want to let them know why I haven't done it yet. We just haven't been because they damaged my son's faith. He went on a missionary trip to Mexico to, you know, build houses or something down there. And he asked one of the youth leaders, uh, you know, can you be gay and go to heaven? And he told him no. Mm. And so Gosh. my son's faith is 
he's agnostic right now. He doesn't know what to think. And that hurt him. And I want to let him know, yeah, this is what happened. Part of it is, is on y'all. I am not going to support a church that thinks my son is an abomination when I know he's not with my funds, my talents, or anything else. Mm-hmm. I like the church. It's no offense, but as long as this is your stance, take me off your, take me off your uh, membership roster, and I will not be tithing or anything. And I son- choose my son over yeah. the church. Well, I think you just answered the the question that I was about to ask. It, as a dad who's involved in the church, when they tell you that their teaching could very well save your son, that he can enjoy a life, an eternal life in heaven, if he denies that part of who he was created to be, or what they would call a propensity. And they try to they try to put that fear that kind of lay that guilt on. I was going to ask you how you respond to that, but I think you just did. Well, and uh, so, yeah, I'm going to choose love my son over them. I, I'm not going to be able to beat them in a theological debate. I haven't gone to seminary like they have. I have studied. I, like I said, I've read all these things. I've, I've read unclobbered and torn. And I've seen uh, an article where, can't remember what her name was but she discovered that the uh word homosexual was basically mistranslated i think in the 50s into the english version and of the bible Mm -hmm. so i've also researched the hebrew and greek words i can't remember it all now but i believe it has been mistranslated i believe they are wrong and it's just like some of the posts you've made that the religious leaders in the past you know, use the Bible to support slavery, uh, misogyny, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I think they're wrong now. Right, right. And I'm careful. I have, I used to lead a Bible study group, and it was mixed denominations. And, and look at it, just Christianity. Look how many denominations there are. Baptists yes. <laughs> think once saved, always saved. Uh, Assembly of God thinks you can lose it. Um, the Catholic Church thinks that you have to climb up a ladder of sacraments to obtain it yeah and so when i led that bible study group i said all right go through the bible this week find every verse you can on once you're saved you're always saved and then so we did that we got back and we talked about it. So, okay now this week you go find every verse that says you can lose it and the very last last verse of the bible in revelation says whoever adds or removes from this book will have their name blotted out from the lamb's book of life well it was there now it's not so i told him i said look i don't know there's godly people in both denominations. I said, I don't know what God just saying here. And I gave, I said, here's what I personally think, but I'm not going to sit there and stand and say, all right, this is what God's saying. You know, I think you get a whole nother responsibility put on you. So if I'm not sure on something, then I'm going to say that. And I, I think they're wrong. I think they believe they're doing right, but I, I think they've been brainwashed because that's the way they've been brought up. That's what they've been taught. Just like I had. Right. To me, and, that's and kind of what the modern Christian church needs is humility, you know, to say, 100%. I'm, I don't know about this and that's okay. You know, you're, but, you're exactly right. And they don't do that. But I, I, I also, I also think it's important for them to have, uh, I mean, Jeff, you're a badass, like power lifter, sniper, cop. They need people like you to say you're wrong about this. Mm-hmm. 
I was a badass. <laughs> no, you still are. You still are. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about how powerful that could be when you do, you know, get to go in and say those things to the church. Yeah. And even if it's not like, I never like thought you said, about maybe it won't change anything, but I think all of us are here right now because we had little, little seeds that people planted in us at one point or another that we ruminated on and like started pulling those threads, you know? So maybe you expressing those things to even just one person at that church might help them pull some threads into a, a better. Yeah. And, and yeah, Megan's absolutely right. And Cliff talks about this a lot. Like it's one thing for him as a gay man to be saying these things on Facebook, but as you know, as, as a, as a straight man, as a really masculine straight man, it, it means something totally different when when you say it, you know? Well, I posted something on Facebook once and it was a, a picture and it's got a guy laying on the ground, bleeding and preacher standing above him, beating him with a Bible. Mm. And it says, uh, if your religion teaches hate, you need a new religion, something like that. And I had people jumping all over me, a girl, <laughs> was making comments and like, well, he did move to Washington. So there's that. And I'm like, look, don't attack me personally. I said, I have researched this and we'll be glad to let you know, you know, what I found. Okay. We'll share this research. Okay. Well, I got to work. Give me, give me some time. I'll get it to you. So then I go find my articles and stuff. Oh, she deleted me, blocked me. She didn't want to hear it. Right. So the hell with you, you know, they don't want to, they don't <laughs> want to hear something that, may challenge their whole faith structure and if 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 the bible says that homosexuality is sin and they believe that the bible is the inerrant word of god and then you're you know anything that might take away from that but the, the bottom line is again the church was able to survive um through the end of slavery through the end of segregation through the end of all these teachings um, these racist teachings, I mean, it, it will continue to survive. And I think that, and you're right. Uh, so that unclobbered book, um, I, that's Colby Martin, right? The author. Well, don't ask yeah. me that. No, it is. It is. He, he is a, um, a, what we call a progressive Christian and there is a progressive Christian movement, uh, geared specifically toward, kind of shedding a little bit of light on the harm that these teachings are doing to the gay community. It's um, horrible. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, why don't we, why don't we just shame fat people? You know, it's the same thing. And most people are fat now in America. Yeah. It says that's a sin. I'd be one of them. You know, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so and it it's, says I'm overweight too. It didn't count for lifting weights all my life, but, <laughs> but I mean, eating shrimp is an abomination. No, I ate some last week. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a culture now of picking and, and it has been for quite some time of picking and choosing. Hundred um, percent, you're right. But what they feel comfortable with, what will match how they've uh, been taught to view the world and God and the Bible, and um, and it comes at the expense of of the spiritual, emotional, mental, psychological abuse to to millions. Um, just so that they can say that they're sending them on to heaven, which is not something that they can prove. It's just a matter of their faith, but there's ample proof that these teachings are doing harm. 
Um, well, look at who killed Jesus. It was the Pharisees. Those were the religious leaders, the elite of that time. Yeah. And they killed Jesus. That so same type of mindset. I yeah. have. So all this, I'm still pulling threats. And I have a trouble with organized religion right now. That's what I was going to ask. Like, kind of where are you now with the Bible or? I'm deconstructing it even more. Uh, so now in my mind, I'm like, okay. Uh, and my wife is kind of, she's been doing this and she's been really good about really researching. She's read a lot more than me. I finally accepted it. And thought, okay, here we go. You know, like I said, I tend to get lazy on those things. Once I got my mind made up, all right, I'm, I'm good enough. I don't need to know anymore. She'll send me articles and that helps. Um, read an article where a guy was, uh, I think it might've been a, a female. She was married. Her husband was Muslim. So she had her Christian beliefs that this is the way it works. And he had his beliefs and both of them were struggling with it. You know, what about the Hindus that they were taught that all their life? So everybody's got their belief and they're, they're doing what they were taught that this is God and this is how you get to him. And it's got me wondering, you know, so how is just our, our little, white man segment got it right over here <laughs> where yeah. everybody else you know the natives in brazil what if they never hear it? what happens to them i don't know i i believe that jesus is the way and i mean that's what it says but then i'm like okay so do they not have a chance if some little kids brought up strict muslim they seem to be better at following their religion than we do how are they going to deviate and they're, they're going to go burn in hell forever right well, I, I was just going to say, this is exactly why we started this podcast. For me, it was the issue of homosexuality, me just studying. So I was in seminary. I was in Southern Baptist Seminary. I just really had this nagging feeling about the way the Christian response to homosexuality it just felt wrong to me. And so it got to the point where I was doing all this research about it because I really had to find, I was looking for loopholes, honestly, in the Bible. How can I still believe what I want to believe and then also believe, you know, what my faith tells me to believe? And it did lead me to a place where I just started to kind of deconstruct everything. And then my wife and I went as missionaries, actually, to uh, Southeast Asia. And so we were living there. And it was the same thing that you're talking about. I'm looking at these people who, because of geography, believe this totally different thing. And I'm like, how can we be so sure that all of our faiths uh, are the right one when we all, you know, because of where we're born and how we're raised, when we all believe these different things? We really, Cliff and Megan and I wanted to create a space where people could talk about this honestly and openly, because I don't think it exists in the church. And there are a lot of people like yourself that still consider themselves Christians who have these kinds of questions. And I think we need to be able to wrestle with these openly and honestly. And that's the reason we, we had a podcast like this. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, and it's, I think it's more impressive coming from you because you were at seminary and you were studying that, but holy spirit or whatever told you this isn't right same thing my wife has always had that feeling and i had it but i just said well this is what the bible says but i always thought you know this doesn't seem right i you know jeff i was just i often think find myself thinking that if every when it comes to you know the issue of homosexuality if every parent if every set of parents if every family had one child that was gay the narrative would be so different, but I honestly, and, and, and that may be true to some extent, but then I hear about countless 
parents who kick their kid out of the house or send their kid to a conversion therapy camp. Um, so I don't even know that that's true. That's true. Well, I, it, I, I no, think, I think that, you're right. It would. Uh, and it's horrible that that happens. And I cannot fathom that someone would choose their belief system instead of considering it might be wrong over their child. I, I just cannot fathom that. I am. I would pray when my son was a baby, I'd rock him to sleep in my arms. And I'm like, he didn't ask to be here. Save his soul. You know, take him over mine. Take him. I don't want to lose salvation. I want to go to heaven. But at that time, I'm like, I'll give mine up for him. And I can't believe a parent would, would choose, like I said, their belief system and not even consider that maybe it's wrong. And I think you're right. If they did have someone very close to them that they knew it would force them to confront it. A lot of them, not all of them. You know, there's a lot of idiots that are just stubborn, but I, I think it would make a huge difference. And I think things would change quicker. Well, and I want to also say, I think that that makes you a good dad um, or perhaps it. not even a good dad. I think it makes you a humane dad and, and a good dad. Um, you choose love. If you choose love, then you're going to, you're going to support them. It's that simple. Yeah, and I think for a guy like you, it sounds like you really can't fathom how a parent would not choose love in that situation. I can't. I uh, When my wife was pregnant, I had a friend of mine from school. He said, man, it took uh, six months before I was able to bond with my kids. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I, I hope that's not me. As soon as my son was born, I just fell in love with him. I bonded with him quicker than my wife did. Uh, it was just the most intense love I've ever felt. Uh, I would give my life for him a thousand times over i want him to be happy i want him to be successful um i, I just can't even imagine how somebody how, how you know, being a cop things i see I, I i just don't know how people treat their kids that way and rejecting them and throwing them out they're children yeah that it makes sounds sense like your your mantra these days is you know choose love i mean would you say that is how I think you're kind of looking at life exactly. right now yeah it's the simplest way to to fix this what was jesus about he was about you know love love your neighbor the way the christian community treats gay people is not love so it's not what jesus is teaching them so you want to hang on to some old testament bullshit then hang on to all of it you know i, I read some art where he said right. okay so uh when they, it was an article, I think I might have shared it with Cliff, where it says the Bible clearly says, and the guy said, okay, the Bible clearly says that uh, a Wiccan, uh, like a witch, should be put to death. So, all right, you have your marching orders. What are you going to do about that witch that lives down the street? According to that, you're supposed to go kill her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing about adultery. It should be stoned. Uh, it talks about that even in the Bible about uh, unobedient children should be stoned to death. Where you draw the line at? Jesus twice said, you know, sell your possessions and give your money to the poor. Well, he said, do that. So you're not taking that literally? Yeah, definitely a lot of picking and choosing. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jeff, how is your son? To, I, I, I know you can't speak for him fully, but, you know, from a, do, from a father's perspective, how, how is your son today? How is he navigating through everything? Uh, I think he's doing really well. He was struggling because he his last 
two years of high school, he did a running start program where he was in college at the same time. So he got an associate's degree at the same time he graduated from high school and then COVID hit. So now he's off in Bellingham, Washington, going to start college and it's all online. So he didn't get any of the college experience. So he'd been struggling with that. Um, mm. He just took a new yeah, job at an airport. So I'm proud of him. He's, he's a hard worker. He has plans, you know, he doing well with this job. He's moving up kind of quick already. They're training him a lot and there's high turnover in there. So I think he'll do well with that. I told him, I said, if you need to take time off from college, do it. I did. I took a year off when I joined my, my first rock band and we're going to go be <laughs> rock stars. And we started touring the clubs and stuff. And, and then finally I, I went back, but then my grades were better because I was ready. So I told him if you need to take a break, do it. But um, faith wise. Yeah. He's, he's not there right now. The church ran him off and he's very smart. So I think it's hard for smart people. Sometimes they really question everything, the logical parts of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Maybe that maybe that's fine. Maybe I'm just too smart. But yeah. I uh Cliff's no. where you would go. Yeah. I kind more of more uh, evolved and you're too smart. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, we totally need to put this on the air. Uh so I I had the I had the same struggle. So here's my question uh for you, and it does feel like we're wrapping up here, but I want to ask you. So you you know, you you have you have this situation, and so you start you start pulling that thread that happened for me. And honestly, the whole sweater fell apart because my whole life I'd been told the Bible is inerrant and it's infallible. And so when you hang your hat on that, when you pull threads and you figure out, okay, this, this part, actually, I feel like we, we were just picking and choosing here. I had nothing left to hang my hat on. I, I had nothing left that could be like an anchor point for me. Uh, so it sounds like you managed to hang on to your faith. So you know, what, what are you kind of, what are you anchored to now? Do you feel like? I'm still struggling. I don't, I don't want to mislead you and think I've got it all figured out and I'm, I'm good with it. I, I'm choosing to believe that, you know, Jesus is still my path to salvation. Is it the only path? I don't know. I know the Bible says that, you know, Jesus says I am the way and, you know, the only way to get to the father is through him. But like we talked about, you know, all these people that haven't heard or they're raised strict Muslim, that's what they're force fed. You know, why are they going to be punished? So I don't know about those things. So I'm still deconstructing and trying to restructure it. I do believe there's a God. I think I heard an interview with Sean Penn of all people. They asked him if he believed in God. And he said, I can take a leaf and look at it and see there's a design. So I, yes, I believe there's a God. I believe there's somebody that created all this diversity i don't think it was evolution or else we'd still have all these half this and that running around why do we have a fish and you know <laughs> and, and then a monkey where's the the in between between the monkey and the man why are they not still you know so i i think there's a god i believe jesus was the son of god i'm choosing to believe uh, those things but i don't know if that's the only way so the only thing I got to hang my hat on right now is, is with what Jesus said about, you know, treating people with love. And that's all I got. That's not nothing. <laughs> that's the golden rule. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Jeff, we really appreciate you doing this. We appreciate you talking to us. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was great. Yeah. Jeff, well, I, I think I just want, me. I want you to know you have a very, I, I've told this to you, you have a very 
I, I know that you, you keep it reserved as far, you know, you don't want to speak for your son and, and, and whatnot. And I don't know what that conversation has been like between you and he, you know, as far as does he care if you go around telling, talking to people about this, but um, I just want you to know that you do have a very important story to tell and more than you may realize, just put it that way. Well, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a story really, <laughs> you know, when you're wanting to interview, I'm like, well, I got nothing bad. No, nothing you do. for them to benefit from. You do. You so, do. And I'm not always politically correct and those things. And, and, but yet you saying that I need to address that with my son and ask him, you know, what, how do I back you and support you? Is it for me being more out front or you just want me to just do as I'm doing? Cause we talked about that. We were going back to Texas to visit in-laws and all that. And my, uh, his grandparents know, but the rest of them don't like, well, what do you want us to do? Cause our, my wife's brother, he's, he's kind of redneckish <laughs> and he could start mouthing off anti-gay stuff. I'm like, you know, that's, that makes me bristle. Yeah. And I hear those things. I'm like, do you want, do you want us to stand in? He goes, well, I don't want you to just throw me under the bus. I'm like, all right. So what he wants rules on those things. Yeah. No, makes perfect sense. You're good. You're good dad, Jeff. Yeah, well, really thank are. You. I think I am. I think that's what I'm best at. So yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing as well a good police officer based on everything yeah. that you've you've said. So well, I appreciate you, it. A man of character. I'll try to be. You know, if that's what when all this riots and stuff are going on. I'm like, that's not what we are. That's not what we do. I don't understand. <laughs> so I'd never seen. Uh, out of three departments, I hadn't seen people act the way that we were being accused of. But with that said, I know we got a reputation for a reason. And there have been things that have happened in the past. And I myself have been on the side of the highway on my knees with a Red Oak police officer with a gun to my head after I had called them. So I know there are officers that have power trips and they give us a bad reputation. But Jeff, Jeff, we really appreciate you being here. I think, uh, one, I think what comes across is your love for your son and your commitment to really figuring out what it is you believe and how you kind of reconcile who you, you know, how you grew up and what you grew up believing and what you believe now. And I think that carries over into your life as a father. I think it carries over into your life as a police officer. And I think we're all better off for, for having people like you around. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for what y'all are doing with your uh, your podcast. Well, thank you. you're you're welcome. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> we are trying. Oh, we We're are trying. amazing. You're right. You're right. Uh. So that's it for this week's episode. That's Jeff's interview and uh, Cliff Megan. I really appreciated Jeff sharing with us. It was great to hear his yeah. story and hear about where he is now and how he's kind of dealing with with the pulling of the threads. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do we need? What do we need to wrap up for everybody? Well, we just need to remind you that you can follow us on Instagram. You can find our Facebook page. You can hit up our website at pullingthreads.captivate.fm. You can share your story with us. There's a button there where you can click tell us about your sweater. And I think you're going to want to check out the show notes this week because I'm pretty sure we're going to have <laughs> some pictures of awesome. Jeff's glam band That's in great. there. So next week, looking forward, next week we kind of have a, a special episode. Uh, it's gonna Saddle be... up your horses. <laughs> Buckle up your seatbelts. <laughs> We've got a trail to blaze, guys, in the wild blue yonder.
Go west, young man. Music is the fabric of our lives. Yes, it is. That would be the perfect time to hit that outro music. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Adios. See ya. Hey there, Threaders. Um, This is Cliff. Thanks again for uh, joining us this week and listening to such a powerful story from a loving father. If you would like to follow Jeff and his music, um, he has a band. They're called Thaxton, T-H-A-X-T-O-N. You can find them on Spotify. And I leave you with one of his songs that he wrote um, about times with his father and times with his son. It's called Shades of Grey. Enjoy and see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Touch my